Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy of the Edmonton Journal's Cult of Hockey, and I'm here tonight with my colleague Kurt Levins from Pender Island in BC. Now we're both here in the absence of David Staple, who's a, uh, who's, a pre, who's experienced a, a complete loss of the internet, so I'm not sure I got a chance to watch tonight's game, but Kurt and I did, and we're going to chat about it briefly, but not too long, because uh, uh, wasn't, that, wasn't that interesting a game in many respects, in, in my opinion, but uh, let's uh, give the guests the first run out, just, just for an overview, Kurt, before we get into the good, bad, and number of that game yeah for sure i'll do my best rusty stob here uh, pinch hitting for, for for david um mm. i i was i was concerned about this game going in i mean the oilers are down seven regulars so they're yep. they're nicked up to begin with and the flames i believe are completely healthy yep. I, I don't think yeah so there's there's they're not losing a man game on this so so you know the um the lineup is a little bit tilted to begin with hey all teams go through that you know um um, but I was a little bit worried about that going in as, as the first period wore on, I thought, you know what, they've, they've really clearly simplified their game tonight. It looked like, uh, like Jay was back to kind of spread the minutes around uh, a little bit around his lineup. Um, and I thought five on five, they were okay. You know, even, even after the first period down to nothing, you know, the, the one was a, was a power play goal for Calgary. I thought five on five, I said, you know, if they can just stick close and get one, they're, they've got a puncher's chance, right? Even mm-hmm. though it seemed to me as if uh, this club was clearly playing down not only six or seven players, but I think a quarter or two as well. Um, I, I, I get a strong sense from some of the folks I talk to that, uh, that um, Evan Bouchard and Mike Smith aren't the only two players in that dressing room with the flu right now. Um, no. So I think that was a factor too. But again, like injuries, hey, all, all teams go through that. Um, it certainly looked like they were down a quarter two on the ice, though. And, and but I thought, well, if they simplified, if they stick around, and you know, they did get a bounce and they did make it close at the end. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, and I think you've used the saying a few times, Bruce, and it's a real smart one. Calgary's best players were better than Edmonton's best players, mm-hmm. and I and I I don't mean yeah. that from an effort standpoint, from an execution standpoint. I just think their their best were better and. Uh, you know, there, there was, there was a few things that were okay in Edmonton's game, but I, I think it'd be pretty difficult to argue that the better team on this night didn't win. So. No, I thought Calgary uh, were the better of the two clubs in this game. And, and honestly, I thought it was their defensive game. That was, that was better. Uh, they were all over the puck. It didn't seem like Edmonton ever got a, much in the way of clean chances with the puck without a, a Calgary guy right in their face, stick on puck. Uh, body following following the stick, and Edmonton had a, a tough time breaking through that last line of defense. Man, Calgary thought specifically their defensemen, guys like uh, uh, Hannafin, Goodbranson, Zadorov, uh, were just like a wall back there. And especially Edmonton's uh, big guys had had trouble breaking through against them. Uh, I agree Calgary with really plays with with pressure, don't they, Bruce? You know, yeah. They, oh yeah. You don't have more than half a second to make a decision right. if you've got the puck. So. That's right, and and it was a game where uh, uh, Edmonton 
Um, both my wife and I made the same comment, and I, 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 I trust her on these sorts of things better than I do myself, that she thought a couple of the players on the team looked sick. Mm-hmm. And she didn't look, especially Leon, she said, his, you know, just his eyes, she says there's something not quite right there. And there certainly was, uh, you know, one of those where the spirit was willing, but, the, you know, there was too many battles lost by, you know, him and Darnell Nurse was the two guys that I thought were yep. were struggling and just struggling in some of the sort of fundamental, you know, losing strength battles and stuff that you don't normally expect from those guys. Darnell got decked to the ice early in the game uh, on a, you know, a good clean check by Blake Coleman, but geez, you don't expect to see Nurse get knocked down and Calgary won the, that possession and they kept it in Edmonton's zone for 30 or 40 seconds and the boys were pretty winded by the time they got to the bench. And it, uh, it was a uh, a struggle. Calgary didn't give them a thing. The ref gave them a goal. It's the only reason Edmonton didn't get shut out was they got a good bounce off the off the ref. That's just about my good thing. But uh, I'll save I'll, I'll save a, a nice comment at least for uh, for one Oiler. But uh, let's move on to that now, Kurt. What's your good thing for this game? Um, my good thing. I thought there were there were a handful of 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 good things in what was clearly an insufficient you know effort overall but the one guy i want to point out is is mm-hmm. philip broberg mm-hmm. um and you know one of my slight feelings of dread going into the game tonight is when i when i looked at the lineup and warm-ups and i saw broberg over on the right hand side i go oh boy you know here here's a test for a for a raw rookie which is what philip broberg is Mm-hmm. Uh, playing against a real tough team to play against. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have your face up against the glass a lot when you're playing Calgary. Um, and he is on his wrong side, which might be relatively easy to do if you're in beer league, but when you're in the best league in the world, playing your offside, even if you're a grizzled veteran, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason most players don't do it is because it's really hard. Um, but you know what? Um, he and Bro, he and Broberg and Keith were clearly their best pairing, and I thought Philip Broberg might have been their best D-man on the night. Actually, yeah. um, his twenty-two thirty-four time on ice was—I, yeah. I think that's a, a second next next to his career high. Right, um, he had one one big game in in uh, Vegas or or maybe Arizona, and it's at and during his uh, first call up. And then I think last right time around, Vegas, he was getting yeah. a lot of six or seven minute games his last mm-hmm. time, but they elevated him tonight. They had to go with six D men tonight, not seven. And so uh, they went with a clear third pairing of Niemelainen and Lagesson, who were each in the 10 minute range. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Keith played 24 minutes, Broberry 22 and a half. Yeah. And on the other pairing, Nurse played 24 minutes, uh, Cece just under 21. So they, they were clearly relying on them as top four and Brovery, who was as recently as, you know, last week, he was number seven out of seven with a bullet. Yeah. Well, tonight he was number four out yeah. of six. Well, he was minimum. in Bakersfield, right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he went in between times. He went to Bakersfield and then he got called right back up as soon as Barry got hurt. I think he was only down there for, he went down for one game. He scored, but the player that's come back from Bakersfield is just uh, leaps and bounds ahead of the guy that was, uh, you know, he, He's, you know, he's taken the game a little bit by the throat. He was, to my eye, either 
disappearing out there or even trying to disappear out there and just sort of keep it as simple as possible and hope nothing went wrong well he's starting to play a little more commanding game and he had two very dangerous shots on net in the third period mm-hmm. uh probably the best chances orders had to tie it came off the stick of philip broger so we will uh, uh give some credit for that and i'm very encouraged as you say you know these last two games they put him on the right side and i think they were his best two games as Oilers. i said that on uh, the last game, I gave him the highest grade of any Oiler on Saturday night. And that time he played like 14 minutes. And tonight they really bumped his workload and he responded pretty well. And thankfully he got up after Milan Lucic basically tried to run him through the end boards. <laughs> yeah. With a shove in the back from outside the goal line that uh, I kind of looked askance at. But... Yep, me too. Yeah. Um According to Natural Stat Trick, Broberg uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the ice for eight scoring chances, four, three against. Wow. Uh, that's a pretty good performance, especially when you consider everything that we just mentioned about him. So, uh, so yeah, it's, you know what, R- rookie defensemen will have good games and they'll have bad games. And this was one of the good ones. And it kind of gives you a, a bit of a glimpse inside what kind of defensemen we may have in another year or two and a half. Huh. Yeah, some interesting numbers here from natural stat trick, but anyway, it was a, it was a very peculiar game. A whole lot of the game was played in the you know sort of non-danger parts of the ice, mm-hmm. and uh, like I say, Calgary just checked the crap out of Edmonton. They um, did, yeah. Yeah, Milan Lucic. Um, uh, he also uh, got away with a, what I thought was a clear and obvious penalty on my good thing. Uh, Mikko Koskinen is my choice from this game that I thought did a pretty good job of uh, of keeping Edmonton with a fighting chance in this game. And on the play I'm referring to, which I'll get away from because I don't want to make this into a gripe about the refs contest because it wasn't that. But this one particular play where Mikko made a clean catch of an outside shot and and... Uh, Lucic on the edge of this crease basically just wound up and gave him a two-hander. Yep. And that's a slash anywhere on the ice. But if you hack a goalie and the puck's not loose, I mean, that's got to be called. I'm sorry, Mr. Referee. Yep, and I agree. you just called a pretty marginal one on, on uh, Ryan McLeod of the Oilers in the 2-1 game late in the third period. Maybe you might want to think about calling that, too. Anyway, uh and Koskinen took a stick uh, the previous uh, the previous shift. I think he took a stick too from I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was. So it was like two yeah. shifts in a row. So he kind of turned around to the referee and said, "What is is all this just okay?" And I'm with you. I thought mm-hmm. it was offside as well. Yeah. Anyway, Koskinen he uh, stared down a couple of breakaways and came up with saves to keep uh, keep Oilers in the game. Uh, I just thought he was solid. I didn't think he was necessarily great, uh, but I did think he was solid. Yep. And gave them the kind of kind of net mining that they mostly needed. They were a little bit unlucky on Calgary's first goal, where uh, Matt Kachuk tried that between the legs thing that he does, and William Lagesson came over and took his stick uh, the way he should, and the puck dribbled off of Kachuk's stick right across the crease to uh, uh, Tyler Toffoli on the other side, and he roofed it. Well, that's definitely not on the goalie, and. Uh, I'm even hesitant to blame Lagesson on that because I actually thought he did the right thing. He just had an unlucky result. Same. Uh, I haven't seen too many defensemen play him uh, as well on that play that Lagesson did, actually. So I'm mm-hmm. right with you. Yeah. And then Tofoli again got the second one on a 
you know, he was left free and clear to come sailing down the left wing, got a got a pass, and he made a perfect shot top corner. And uh, then third one was Calgary's, I think, third and final breakaway of the game, and it was Johnny Goodrow uh, off a horrible Edmonton turnover, and he made uh, no mistake on the uh, deke. And he had to, you know, Costigan gave him almost nothing, and, and Goodrow had to do a real good job of not just going around him on the deke, but he had to stick the puck into sort of the near six inches inside the near side post. Otherwise, it wasn't wasn't like he was sliding it into the middle of the net because if he didn't have much place to put it, it was pretty uh, dexterous move by... Uh, yeah. Uh, they call him Johnny... Why on earth don't they call him Johnny B. Goodrow? <laughs> Such a great nickname, Johnny B. Goodrow. No, Way no kidding, better right? than Johnny Hockey, which Absolutely. is actually a takeoff of Johnny Football, and it's not even original at all. Yeah. Anyway, for whatever reason, they don't call him Johnny B. Goodrow. <laughs> it's right there sitting in front of him and has been for years. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you're a radio guy. You're, you're, you're I'm sure you're a oh. Johnny Good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Aficionado. I think everybody is actually. Chuck Berry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, I'll go with Koskinen. I mean, he he gave in three on 29 shots, so he's just going to have an average save percentage just below uh, 900. But uh, I thought the first period he made a couple of fairly stellar saves that. Uh, Calgary jumped out one or two nothing, you know, early. It was even going to be an even longer night than it was. What you got for a bad thing, Kurt? Uh, the Oilers power play. Oh. Um, you know, as, as I kind of alluded to in the opening, you know, five on five, they were hanging in there and then they got those opportunities with the man advantage. And I thought, okay, here you go. You kind of hung in on this one, playing a very simple, unfancy game. Like no mm-hmm. one... I bet you a lot of people are going, I paid how much for my tickets? <laughs> you know, it was the first two periods weren't much to stare at. Um, but when they went on the man advantage, I thought, okay, here's the opportunity. And you don't have to score in every power play, um, but you really do need to get some momentum from a man advantage. Uh, because if you don't get either a goal or the momentum, it works in the opposite direction. And I thought that really happened. Both, both of the first two power plays I thought were, you know, Connor McDavid had one pretty decent chance. Otherwise, I thought both of them were well, well below average. I thought they were they were too stationary. Uh, they, they just weren't snapping the puck around. They didn't look sharp or confident. Uh, now they haven't looked sharp or confident for, for a few games now. Um, and And they simply weren't getting enough pucks to the net. Although tonight, I'm not so sure they were turning down good chances. I'm not sure they were putting themselves in very good positions to get shots, mm-hmm. which is more concerning. You know, it's one thing if you're getting your looks, then it's like, okay, it'll come, it'll come. I didn't think they were getting their looks tonight either. And I think at the, I think at the end of the night, that was the difference in this game was, mm-hmm. was special teams. Uh, yeah. If if the Oilers, um, you know, if they uh, if they even put in one of those, you got a chance mm-hmm. of stealing a point out of this game in a mm-hmm. in a team in the same division you know four point game as they as they say and instead uh you come up dry you shoot blanks and you skate away with nothing so the the non-existent power play for the oilers is my bad yeah. thing for the night well a full credit to calgary's penalty killers as you know as we discussed yep. in general terms earlier they were all over the puck and on the power penalty kill in particular uh one thing that 
sort of impressed me uh, in, in you know in the in the literal sense of that word uh, was how rarely like if ever Edmonton seemed to have an extra man around the puck mm-hmm. and the whole thing about having a power play is that sooner or later you move that puck around you're either going to have an, a man who's open or you're going to have a two-on-one situation somewhere on the ice never happened there was one power play where Calgary contested four pucks in a row and all four pucks, all four battles were one against one. There was never sort of a third oiler or, you know, a second oiler coming flooding in mm-hmm. to uh, give the, give his guy some kind of numerical a- advantage. It never happened. In fact, the, basically the only odd man situations we saw in Edmonton's power play were Calgary breakaways and Calgary mm-hmm. two-on-ones when Edmonton inevitably screwed up at some point and Calgary was off to the races into the wide open spaces. And that's yeah. really frustrating when your power play, you know, you have a power play, not only does it do anything, but it gives up a 10 bell chance at the other end. Yeah. Least, and I know I saw. At least made the same. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I know there's a few people moaning about Dreisaitl's play. And I, I, I mentioned his name specifically in the attacking zone. But to mm-hmm. your point, I thought he was by himself along the wall a lot without much puck support. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, he was not good tonight and was yeah. far from sharp. I agree with both of those things. Yeah. But he also didn't seem to have much help out there. And it's, in some cases, I thought he turned the puck over by trying to make something out of nothing. So Yeah, well, he crushed it on the dot, Leon, but otherwise he didn't have a whole lot going on. Nope. And uh, it was, uh, uh, like I say, I think he was down a couple courts. I, I would not be one bit surprised to learn that. In fact, I'd be surprised to learn otherwise. Although he was there for the post-game show. I mean, Leon answers the bell and he talks to the media and he does a lot of extra things. In addition to playing 24 minutes again. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had quite a frank discussion with the uh, uh, in the uh, post-game interview about the effect of the injuries on the team, you know, and how much they're missing guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Yesipo Yarby, yeah. and other, you know, top six forwards. And these poor guys that are left carrying the carrying the uh, load. And every night we see sort of four guys, right? And here's the same four guys tonight. Uh, uh, Connor McDavid, Evander Kane, Zach Hyman, and... Um, Leon Dreisaitl, all well north of 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that and you're playing every second day or more, uh, that's going to take a t- toll. And, you know, I think with the possible exception of Kane, I think all those guys that you just mentioned, I think they've looked gassed for the last couple yeah. of games. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Kane, maybe not so much. But remember, he hasn't played a full season either. Right. He's probably got a little more left in the tank, right? right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, well, I'm going to do... Rather than jump all over a particular player or even play, as uh, for my bad thing, just the fact that this game had to be played at all on this date. Uh, the way the schedule was built, uh, both Edmonton and Calgary were due for a, a three-day break after a pretty hectic run. Calgary played in uh, Colorado late on Saturday night. Apparently, they got home about 4 o'clock in the road, uh, morning on Sunday. Uh, they were supposed to play their next game Wednesday. Edmonton's just getting back from this uh, from this road trip, uh, and they finally got one game at home, which they kind of accelerated, just so it could be on Hockey Night in Canada. That was the bad loss to Montreal on Saturday night, and then they were supposed to get a three-day break. And if there's ever a team that needed a three-day break, it was Edmonton Oilers of March 7th, 2022. Uh huh. And they just did not <clears throat> have much gas in the tank generally tonight. 
and Daryl Sutter, I give him credit. Uh, he was more perceptive than than uh, often the kind of, uh, of expert commentary outside. They asked him a question about the game. He said, I thought all of Edmonton's players looked like they didn't have a whole, they were down a couple of courts. They didn't have a whole lot of gas. And he said, you know, we were too. We didn't, we were tired. We didn't play our best game. They didn't play their best game. Implication being that it probably wasn't as good a game as it would have been with uh, two rested teams. And I, certainly that matches my observation. Yep. So yeah, that's that's my bad that's thing is sort very, of a hockey game because yeah. of the Yeah, no, you know what? That's a great point. And, and and you know what? A real fair point from him too, right? Mm-hmm. You yes. know, for, for whatever you think of Daryl, he's a good hockey man at the end mm-hmm. of the day. <laughs> you know, yeah, so oh, yeah. whether you cheer for him or not. So Yeah, yeah. Well, whether you yeah. cheer for the hockey man or not. Some, some people have a mat on for all two hundred of them. But <laughs> he he is uh uh, he is a wise man, Daryl Sutter, and he says a lot in, in in very few words. And that was one of the very first things he addressed was he just thought both teams huh. were tired. It was basically the yeah. first words he said. Both teams were tired. And and this was the game originally was scheduled for right after Christmas. And it was the, it was the first um, uh, game to be uh, sort of the last game of the first group of Oilers games to be postponed because the Oilers had a bunch of guys in sick bay. And unfortunately, the only time they could squeeze it in and reschedule it was right now when both these teams had these three-day breaks in their schedule that no longer are breaks in their schedule. Just go, 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 go. And do I have it right, Bruce? Is this the last of the makeup games? Yes. Are, 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 we're, we're, we're back to level again. So. Yeah, we're back to level again. <laughs> so, all right, let's uh, let's move on uh, to our number. What you got for your number tonight, Kurt? Uh, I'll say related to my bad thing, the power right. play. Um, yep. Four power plays, um, three shots on net. Um, and that that in itself isn't good. Nope. <laughs> um, but on top of that, remember that because they didn't score in any of those four power plays, none of those power plays were 20-second power plays. Nope. Uh, and neither of them were, were cheapy power plays at the end of four and four. I think all four were full two minutes. Yeah, they had eight minutes on the power play and they generated three shots. Uh, which, you know, and and flip side, and just to be give credit where credit's due, Bruce mentioned this to me before we started tonight. Not only did we only get three shots, but Calgary got two going in the other direction. That's not a good percentage. Um when the splits are working against you like that on, on special teams, you're going to lose nine and a half times out of 10. So that's my number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've, uh, they've been uh, not only been unproductive on the power play lately, but they have been leaking chances and they've given up a couple of shorties and uh, a few other, you know, nervous moments, I always say on the power play. And it's, uh, it's getting uh, quite frustrating. Did you notice, by the way, that mm-hmm. uh, Darnell Nurse played the first two power plays, but yeah. Duncan Keith played the second two? Yes, I did. Interesting. And well, Nurse had uh, uh, turnovers on both the breakaway and the two-on-one. One was a block shot, and one was just a fumble. And then he also made the mistake on the uh, Johnny Goodrow breakaway at the uh, at the end of the game. It was uh, yeah. not a banner night for Darnell. Yeah. <clears throat> they want, I mean. Who they're going to put there, right? Ben, uh, uh, they've got uh, Tyson Berry unavailable to play due to uh, injury. Evan Bouchard unavailable to play due to illness. You know, that's normally their one and two choices on the uh, power play. So, yeah. 
And certainly Duncan Keith has run a power play or two in his career. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, nobody ran one successfully tonight. They sure did. Uh, but at least <laughs> uh, when Keith was out there, at least they didn't bleed breakaways. So I guess hey, yeah. So, yeah. So, What's your anyways. number, Bruce? Yeah. Uh, my number is special teams, which is now minus on the season. They've scored 47 goals in uh, special teams, be it uh, power play goals four or shorthanded goals four. And they've given up now 48 power play goals against plus shorthanded goals against. And this was an area where after 22 games of the season, the Oilers were plus 19. They had the number one uh, net power play, net penalty kill percentage in the league, which again, that factors in goals at both ends. And that's what you want. It's a net. You want your power play to score goals, not give up any. And, uh, you know, anyway, they've gone from uh, plus 27 to 8 to now plus 47 to minus 48. The special teams has been outscored 40 to 20 in the last 35 games. And it's just a complete about face. The power play or the penalty kill had the best uh, net PK percentage after game 22 had the 32nd best for the for the 35 games after that. I haven't looked at it to uh, also include tonight's game, but tonight they gave up a goal on four opportunities and they didn't really improve their lot a whole lot. Uh, so it's uh, and they were like down in the 60s percent. They were the only team there. So the, the amazing thing to me, Kurt, and I have not been able to figure this out at any point, is why and how did both special teams fall apart at the same time? Yeah. How, yeah, how does that work? It is weird because, you know, when the coaching change came about, they swapped mm-hmm. out the guy who ran the PK, but the guy who's yeah. run the power play for the last few years, yeah. he's still there, yeah. right? And like he was yeah. out for COVID for a couple of games, but that won't have made yeah. a big difference. So, so yeah, the, it, it is really odd. Um, although, you know, the one thought I was going to share with you, uh, what's the one common denominator between the power play and the penalty kill that has been missing the last little while? Yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, for sure. Yeah, uh, He has not, however, been missing for the last 35 games. No, which is we can't, we can't hang that on here. him. <laughs> yeah, so no, you're right. We can't just say that's just the one thing, right? I mean, a whole no, bunch sure. of things have gone sideways. Yeah. And what was money in the bank? And it wasn't just the first 22 games this year were on an island. The order has been great on both special teams for the prior two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when they started off, they were even better than before. And we're thinking, oh, great. And we've still got this dominant power play better than ever. And the penalty kill is doing a great job better than ever. And then both of them. <laughs> and it's just been in a steady funk for, you know, better part of 40 games. Yeah. So, and you know what? I'm, I'm a little less surprised with, with the PK because, honestly, there's been a fairly, fairly substantial change in, in manpower right. on, that, on that PK unit. The power play unit. On one hand, yeah, Nugent Hopkins is out, Barry's out, Bull Yarby's out, yeah. But you still have arguably two of the best players in the game on the ice. So inarguably two of the best players well, in the game, arguably the two best players in the yeah. game. Yeah, and 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 even <laughs> with mean. all those guys out, you've still got pretty good hockey players on the ice. Like you know, Evander Kane is no slouch. <laughs> you, you know, and I, I thought Kane was decent tonight. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. It's a bit befuddling if I can pull that word out. Yeah, and the same minus one figure, by the way, that is for all special teams combined now applies to goals differential, 182-4, 183 against. Huh. 
and that is a mediocre hockey team. There's no real other way to put it. Yep. You know, they they play little math games with the point totals because some games are worth extra points and others aren't. But goals for and against, they always add up to zero. When yep. you add up the whole league, you don't get you know, <laughs> 55% or something like you do for a points yeah, percent. It's finite, yeah. The zero-sum game, and if you're above zero in the goals for, uh, goals against uh, differential, you're usually in the top half of the league, and if you're below it, you're usually not. And, I mean, the Oilers are just right there, and they're just right there on the cut line. But, man, Kurt, they are losing ground, and it's they're losing ground fast. L.A. Yeah. won again tonight. They pulled the goalie. They tied it up. Then Andreas Athanasiu scored the game winner in overtime. Second game, second day in a row, he scored a hmm. game-winning goal for Los Angeles which I bitterly mentioned to my wife was one more goal in total than he scored in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. And things are just going poorly on the out-of-town scoreboard. And when you're losing your own games, it's a, it's a disaster. You know, you lose two points. You need another night where everything goes right, where you win and they all lose just to get it back. Yep. And then you need another night where you can actually then start to think about gaining ground back. So. Well, but then the next two opponents are tough damn opponents. Yeah. Right, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. um, and then isn't Florida the well, other one? Washington and then oh, Washington. Tampa Bay. Yeah, so Washington teams that have won Tampa three Bay. three of the last four yeah. Stanley Cups. Yeah, and then teams that the Oilers are ahead of in the standings, but they've lost to them this year, yeah. the Red Wings and the Sabers. Right, and and the Devils are in there too. Oh, man. So they yep, lost to all those teams on the yeah. road. So. so God knows what to expect <laughs> out of that. It's yeah, and of the most... walking wounded. I mean, the only two guys who I think are going to be back in the next couple of games mm-hmm. are, I think Cassian is probably likely the first guy to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, it, inexplicably, I'm surprised at this, but if you if you listen to people talk, it sounds like Josh Archibald might actually be the next guy up. And that Pugliarvi and Nugent Hopkins may still be 10 days, two weeks away. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So top sixers are missing. And that's the, that's the other downside of, you know, this huge, uh, intense uh, schedule. You know, when, when a guy misses uh, uh, three weeks to an injury, uh, or normally you might miss nine games or something. Now he's missing 12 games. Uh, in the same time interval, you know, I can't recover any faster just because they're playing more games and games mm-hmm. at a higher rate. So uh, injury bug is, you know, it's biting in multiple ways. So I thought Koskin was pretty good tonight. I agreed with you. If you're the coach, though, who do you start in the next game? Not Mike Smith. I'll start uh, there. I agree. And uh, I, I'd be thinking about Skinner. I'd be thinking about Skinner. Yeah, I'm 60-40 starting Skinner. Yeah, yeah. I am. And it's because, you know what, I think arrested Miko is going to be decent for you down the stretch, right? Uh, But as soon as you, we've got four years of sample on him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I don't mean any disrespect to the guy. We know who he is now. And and if you don't have another goaltender to spare him off, well, then your goaltending isn't good enough. And that's a different conversation. Right. Yeah, the book says that uh, that he plays better at a rate of three or four games every two weeks as opposed to six or seven and being, you know, relied on to start game after game. So, yeah, Ken Holland can look that up in the guide and record book. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he can. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's call it there, Kurt. And uh, oh, I've got uh, player grades to get down to. Uh, kind of a surprise assignment with uh, David's computer outage. Somebody's going to pick up the ball. And I thank you for uh, stepping into the second seat on very short notice and a little under the weather yourself. So uh, thanks for toughing it out and uh, and uh, proving that it is possible to deliver a good performance even when you're a little little <laughs> below the very top of your game. So. More of a more of a bunt than a home run, but I'm always happy to chip in. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for speaking with us tonight, Kurt, and thanks to you, the audience, for listening. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.